I'm Anna Parker. And I'm Miriam Chancellor. Welcome to Big Mistake, the podcast that unpacks the failures and mistakes of top professionals. So, to make us, and hopefully you, feel better about the mistakes we all make in our careers and lives, we'll be talking with high performers to understand the behind the scenes and less glamorous moments of the business world. Okay, here we are, back in your living room. It feels good, I must say. You're back. I'm back. Yay. Yay. Big Europe trip over. I know. It's kind of bittersweet, although it does feel good to be home. I think one of the things about going away is that it is nice to come home at the end of the day. Uh, How have you been? Good. Same, same. Same, same. So what's on the list to talk about yep. today? The queue jumping points. So oh, we're going it back has to been that, are we? more passionate debate amongst uh, the people in my life okay. than tea. Oh, wow. Okay. So one of the comments was that they were so against queue jumping yes. that if their best mate in the world, who they'd already arranged to meet, came up to them and said, and they were near the front, hey, thanks for holding that place. Um, and they were they were trying to queue jump, but they'd already arranged to go in together. Yeah. That person would leave the front of the queue <gasps> and go back to the end of the queue with their mate as opposed to let their mate in. Wow, okay. They said there's no circumstance where they would let their mate stand in line at the front with them. So for- and I said, well, what if the cats died... The car's broken down. I went through all these scenarios and they said, no, nothing. Yeah. I will leave the queue. I will go to the back with my mate. So context is uh, in the last episode, Anna and I discussed a scenario where when I was overseas, this couple, it was Bastille Day in Paris and this couple tried to jump in the queue in front of my husband, Daniel and I, uh, to which I basically not told them off, but said, I've noticed you've jumped in. We were in front of you. Everyone here has waited. Anyway, it, it led to a conversation between Anna and I about is it okay to queue jump? And Anna surprised me with saying, yes, it is okay. Uh, so I'm really interested and, and glad to hear that a lot of our listeners do, in fact, back me up as opposed to backing you up. And I was in the supermarket the other day and there was a woman with a baby behind me and I didn't have any kids with me at the time yeah. and I let her at the supermarket go in front of me. That's very generous of you. but Because I, she had a baby with her and I was like, I don't, I'm not in a super rush. I know that yeah. at any moment she's going to have a hard time. So I let her go in front of me, helped unpack her trolley and kind of... Are you trying to redeem yourself? No. It really feels like you are. <laughs> I, I, no, I don't need to redeem myself. I still don't think that, yeah. I mean, I, I like to think that most people would do that. I certainly, if there's someone, if I've got a, if I've got a big shopping cart of, even if I've got a medium amount of items in my shopping trolley and there's someone behind me with a couple I'll always generally like let them in before me because I'm going to be longer nice yeah anyway I'm thrilled to hear that that we have a very ethical uh scrupulous group of listeners that uh will I really haven't me up. found anyone on my side yeah yet. well I'm not surprised well as I said I was surprised that you even uh you were even I think I need to chat to some of my uni mates go back in time yeah I and ask so. them this story and see where they land I think so Man, what else? American kettles. They don't have kettles, I found out the other day, which prompted me. Did you see that in the news? No. So this guy, American, came over to New Zealand and said that we all have 
plug-in kettles in our kitchens they call them jugs and that blew his brains out mm. and he hadn't seen it before and yep. it made the news and then i asked a couple of my american friends and they said yeah they're just kettles aren't a thing yeah they boil on the stove and yes yeah and so you knew that well yeah but what was it about europe that surprised you those weird quirks uh, and you were just thinking oh i've, I've missed this or why don't they have this I, for, for starting point i think before we go into that um there is the reason for that i think is something to do with the boiling point or the the the, the water uh, we should look this up yeah because like, okay. there is a reason something to do with the water why they don't or, no, no. have kettles i think it's to do with the electricity the like the 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 wattage that comes through is not enough to oh, boil wow. i think is something like that okay. anyway don't that would make sense though. We'll, we'll find that because out because i did order a food processor from America once, yeah. which I didn't understand in New Zealand, plugged it into the socket in New Zealand, and it blew the whole house. Ah, oh, so, so there is up. so there is ah. something different about the yeah okay yeah from memory maker. I think it's the, to do with the Michael the probably knows yeah <laughs> Daniel definitely does know and he's told me before and if he's <laughs> listening to this he'll be like why don't you remember I've told you so many times anyway okay quirks about the you well, that's because you blank out when he talks to you remember as, as oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah definitely I oh, know he he had a chuckle about Poor that Daniel. in fact I think he was like didn't realize how bad it was until he listened to that oh episode. really yeah he was like is it really this bad I'm like, um, anyway, uh, quirks. You might have to help me out with this one because you've lived in the UK, but off the top of my head. No, I've got nothing. Okay. I mean, we could spend a while on this and I can try to wreck my brains, but it's going to be dull. But I mean, did did you have any in mind about? It's hard to remember. Yeah. No, I mean, there definitely would, there probably would be, but look, in all honesty. Well, the vinegar thing with fish and chips got me. Oh. So vinegar is a big thing with fish and chips in the UK. Oh, I tell you what I And I came here and asked for vinegar at a fish and chip shop and people got very confused. They're better now, but very confused. There was some production of white vinegar instead of the normal brown oh, yeah. malt vinegar and yeah. it was this big thing and Weird. I, yeah yeah well, I, I look in all honesty culturally very very similar like obviously for for you can definitely see that new zealand has has hailed from the the mothership of the united kingdom uh culturally ex- incredibly similar i tell you what i love uh so when i if i wasn't going out for dinner or if i just had just needed a, a night or afternoon to myself or whatever it might be or i had to work and i needed to eat I would go to the good old Tesco or Sainsbury's and get a £3.70 oh, meal so deal good. So good. Uh, for a sandwich, some crisps, and... Ah, prawn and cocktail crisps. They're the best. The best. Oh, good. I'm glad yeah, you love absolutely. that. absolutely. So salt and vinegar and prawn and cocktail, yeah. my ultimate favourite flavours. Agreed. Great. Absolutely. Okay, we Delightful. agree on something. Okay, <laughs> we'll pause that topic there just in case we find something else New to New TV on. show that's come out. I don't often get really absorbed in TV shows. Okay. Traitors. Have you seen the no. ads? So it's Paul Henry, New Zealand show. Ah. A bunch of celebs and normal people have got together at Seavey's Lodge. So it's been filmed oh. there. Yes, I tell yes. you what, because I was at the lodge just after they finished ah. filming and they couldn't say anything. Yeah, okay, so it's filmed, so it's filmed at, at the lodge. Okay, it's and my filmed. mate Julia Vahi's in it. Oh, wow, Julia's in it. Okay. Mm. And it's fascinating. So wait, is it a, is it a so sitcom? The, the, the gist is, is that there are... Two, three, four traitors. The numbers keep changing because people keep figuring but it out. But it's a, it's a, it's no, it's a reality, oh, sorry, reality show. Yeah. yeah, reality show. And you have to say, figure Paul, out Paul who the Graham. traitors are. Yeah. And so you'll be sat in a round table. It's just the most fascinating insight into being accused of something that you're not. <gasps> so I would say, Miriam, I know you're a traitor. Yeah. And I would vote that you're a traitor. 
and you're not you're a fa you're what's known as a faithful and you're telling everyone you're going to have egg on your face if if you vote me as a traitor it's all mind games yeah and it's something i thought about so much growing up which was what would you do if you were accused of something you didn't do and no one was believing you yeah. so you sit there in a round table of 15 odd people saying i'm not a traitor but they've got to believe you but yeah. you might be a traitor in playing a game yeah it is so fascinating to watch and so fascinating to see how humans are oh, in that situation so that reminds me of a couple of things i definitely recommend you catch up i'm i'm oh so it's already started Already started okay. four episodes in on demand TV three and just just binge and catch up. Yeah, cool. Um, that reminds me of a couple of things. One, did you ever play Mafia the the card game? And no, a couple of people have told me about uh, this. Though. It's I think Ben De La Barca's okay. obsessed with that one. Yeah, it's very fun. You would actually love it. It's 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 really got nothing to do with cards, but they just assign your role. And basically, it's this game that involves uh, trying to nominate and eliminate from the round the people who you think is the mafia and there is discussions around like no i'm not it but you know the mafia can say anything they want to try and convince the civilians which is i think another name for the faithfuls that you described uh that they are not the killers but so yeah it, play, it plays with that yeah. psychology and the other one it reminds me of what's that um prisoner's dilemma have you come across this, no, we're gonna have to get in on this these. concept? The prisoners, I think this is what it's called. I'm just gonna look it up. But prisoners. you just sat there, and don't forget the traitors have their own team. So you think I'm on the team of traitors, we're all in it together, but no, everyone's out for themselves. And when it comes to voting, oh, yeah, the traitors will vote against another traitor. Uh, it, if it bodes well yes, for their survival. Yes, if it bodes well yeah. for their survival. Wow. Ooh, so, so ruthless. So a prisoner's dilemma is a situation where individual decision makers always have an incentive to choose in a way that creates a less opt less than optimal outcome for the individuals as a group. That sounds very confusing. Mm. But in short, uh, there's if there's two prisoners and there's a guard, I'm going to attempt to try and explain this while also trying to refresh my memory at the same time. If there's two prisoners and a guard and both of the prisoners remain silent, they both get two years in jail. However, if one of them uh, confesses, they uh, oh, it's too confusing to explain. I'm, 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 my brain's not really working at the moment. It's the, I'm still getting over the jet lag. Anyway, we're gonna find that okay. and put it on. But I, okay. it's really, really interesting. And there was actually a game show made up of this, where there's money on the table, and if you dob in the person, you can go away with a lot of money. But if you both dob in the other person. Nothing. You go away with nothing. But if you both don't dob in, you go away with half-half. So you're so, trusting so you're trusting. you will split it with me and yes. you won't screw me over. Exactly. That's pretty much the yeah. prison's dilemma. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, yeah, so interesting because it's all human psychology. So I'm interesting because th it would be a matter of the personalities in the room as well. Definitely. Like, like I'm just who was it? Paul 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 Henry Paul is Henry. hosting it. Paul Henry. Oh, and then there are other it. comedians and uh, cele celebrities that yeah. you would know off yeah. New Zealand TV. Yeah. Great. I'm. It is really good to watch. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, 
So today yeah, we are it. interviewing Brianne West. Yes, I'm excited. Same. And she approached us and I said know. she wanted to be on the podcast. And we thought that was very flattering. So Brianne uh, is obvious. Well, not Well, she's the founder obviously. of Ethique. She was the, the founder of Ethique. Oh, is that how you yeah, say it? Yeah, that's oh, how you say it. I was trying to Google it. Yeah, I found it. Or I always go to YouTube and find oh, some interviews. Because oh, yeah. I was looking that up and researching. Yeah, Ethique. Ethique. Yeah, I know. I thought it was a thief as well. Yes. Uh, but she is, or what? This yes. is a company that's worth over a hundred million now. It's I mean, incredibly it's amazing. Impressive. What a story! So I am so young. excited to yeah. talk to her. I know. I'm very excited. And I've got all these questions. And we have to, uh, yeah, we want to do our very best at extracting the goods because she's been interviewed a lot. She's been up for so many awards. And it's a household name, really, these days. So we want to hopefully extract some goods from her that she hasn't already shared before, perhaps around her, or obviously it her big It is genuinely mistake. exciting when we get an email that says, um, you know, I'd like to appear on your podcast. Yeah, Amazing. Or when someone who listens to the podcast yes. sends us a message and, and connects us to someone. Yes, 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 exactly. Like, exactly. Oh, and as a little teaser... I absolutely lost the plot recently because we we have coming up and a guest who we won't reveal yet who is my like absolute uh what's the word I Idol. fangirl Idol. I absolute fangirl internationally recognized so stay tuned if you uh, if you've been listening to big mistake continue listening because this will be the episode, uh, I mean, I love every episode, but this, I will probably be melting in my seat as we interview this interviewee uh, when the time comes, probably in, in a couple of months. I'm I'm different to you, so yeah. I don't often get fangirly over international people and stars, let's say. Yeah. I'm more impressed by Kiwis who've made it internationally, because it's way yeah. harder. Yeah, yeah. If you've made it like Brianne, 22 different countries, the turnover, what she created. It's just so much more yeah, impressive look, than just starting out in, in America and, you know, you've already got a big audience. Well, you but, know the, the deal. but you could say the market is you know, exponentially mm. more competitive. And look, to be honest, the reason, and we don't want to spend all this time talking about this other guest because we are incredibly excited about Brienne, but yes. all I'd say is that what I'm, what I'm excited about is the 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 philosophies and the outlook really resonate with me and I've read all their books and followed them for years. So so it's less on a I'm impressed by what they've accomplished and okay. more like I'm impressed by them as an individual, if that makes sense. So Brianne West, founder of Atik, and she's doing some other pretty cool stuff at the moment yes. that we will no doubt be talking about uh, in this episode. And as usual, if you enjoy it, let us know, uh, share the episode with your friends and let us know who else you would like us to interview. So thanks for listening. This is another episode of Big Mistake with... Anna Parker. And Miriam Chancellor. Uh, it is so nice to have you here. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for coming me. in. Yeah, thank you for coming in. Uh, so we felt very fancy when we were approached by a publicist. <laughs> I felt like we made it in the podcast yeah. world oh, when a publicist so approaches it's you. It's not embarrassing says, whatsoever. It's not. She's we're, so handy. She's it's amazing. Just, yeah. And we were easy. genuinely excited. We were like, this is our moment. We've made it. So I'm going to start with the uh, first question. Are you? Here. So Oh, better be good. We are here with, well, it's not so much of a question, it's more of a prompt. We're here with Brianne West 
And the words I have for you to elaborate on are pet detective agency. <laughs> Wherever did you get that from? <laughs> yes. Okay, so, um, look, I don't remember a great deal about it, but when I was eight, I wanted a business card because my dad had one and that looked cool. And also, I was obsessed and still am obsessed, like weirdly so, with animals. And I want to spend more time wandering Sorry, around. Sorry, hold on. Weird, you're weirdly obsessed with animals. Well, yeah. That like, defines okay. weirdly well, obsessed. I have 65 animals. How many do most people have? Whoa. You have 65. Okay. I live on a lifestyle block, but like a lot of them are frogs and I have a lot of fish and oh, a bearded count. dragon. That doesn't count. You can't well, the count fi- the fish are only five frogs and the, say I'm obsessed well, the fish, with animals. The fish are only about five of them, I think. <laughs> Come on, listen I actually don't know how many fish list, I have. I think, I think you can you can say you have sixty five pets if they all have a name. And uh, is it awkward if all my frogs have a name? Okay, I think they count as pets. <laughs> I think they can count. No, so, think, yeah, for sure. If no. they if they have names, they're just, in a pond, they just frogs. come in and out. No, 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 they live in my house. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Frogs that live outside. Okay. I live in Christchurch. It's cold. So we have defined that weirdly obsessed means must own maybe plus fifty pets. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you're sitting at the sixty. That's what I'm going with. So that's like insanely obsessed because you're beyond. Mm. Okay. The, so the scale yeah. gets quite yeah. short okay. after the fifty. Yeah, I think so. Okay. okay. That's our scale. Anyway, carry on. So <sighs> obsessed with animals. Yeah. Okay. Now you all think I'm. That's <laughs> great <fine>. start. <laughs> it's fine. At least you get to know all me now. The different quirks about a person is what makes them fantastic. I think so, so. I find. People People that only have, let's say, your standard one cat, incredibly dull. <laughs> Two cats, though. much more interesting. Nine cats. Um, and, and so I wanted to spend more time with them. And I lived in a place called McCandry Bay in Dunedin. And Sorry, say that again. McCandry Bay. McCandry Bay. And I talk really fast. Yeah, that's all right. It's very annoying. That's all right. I'll get you to clarify anything if I miss cool. anything. Okay. Yeah. And we just moved over from the Isle of Man, and I i don't know, everyone was mean to me because I tucked in all my clothes, which is apparently, like, basically illegal here. And um, I had an English accent, which I, apparently I still have. Anyway, so I was, everyone was mean to me. Animals were nice. Maybe that's why. And um, I thought, you know what, I'll spend my time wandering around in dumpsters and underneath cars and, and, and finding animals. And I'll make it official so I get a business card. Yeah. And that was where the pet detective agency came from. And I found a cat. I'm very proud of this. This might be my most my most important achievement, was I found a lady's ginger cat, and uh, she never paid me. So you returned it to her. She had lost it. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever wonder in those situations why the animals run away in the first place? Like, what, what environment are you returning this animal to? Yeah. Oh, you may have, God. I'm sorry to break this. That may have, <laughs> you're saying this is your greatest achievement. I'm challenging you. I've actually it. just ruined a cat's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cat, Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, also, not to take us another tangent down a, uh, an avenue that is unnecessary, but uh, tuck, you tucked in everything. Yeah. So like my sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> my mum taught me that, you know, tucking everything in is really important so that you're sealed all the way around like a lunchbox. I don't know. So it was cold a, in, in the Isle of Man. There's a, there's a series called Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it's, it, it's directed and written by Larry David, who was the director and writer of Seinfeld. And Larry David features in this series and it's about the, the the social norms that a lot of us adhere to, and it's drawing attention to them. It's very funny. You'd actually love it, Anna. Uh, so I highly recommend Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's lots of little clips on YouTube. <clears throat> but one scene is, like, built around the fact that 
Larry is making fun of this guy who tucks in his sweatshirt because uh-huh. it was tucked into the belt because it is so strange. It's... I think we're going to have to clarify that this is an Isle of Man thing <laughs> coming from England. It could have just been oh, a West Family You're saying it's where my way. clothes were not tucked in. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, and the skirt know. was rolled up, so I'd go one step further. That at seven. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that would but sound people pretty in my English life to me. Go, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so we've clarified that the pet detective agency. So this was spurred by you discovering this cat, and you thought, "I'm a bit of a pet detective. I'm going to make this a business." Now I've got business cards, and that's where you. I realize... think that's where it started and ended. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't remember anything else. Okay, but okay. my memory is rubbish. And she didn't pay you. She didn't pay me. So it wasn't very financially sustainable. Wow. Was it? No. Okay. How could you not pay a seven-year-old? I know. Who would returned your cat? Monster. Even, like... I hope she remembers me. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I'm probably remembering it completely you know wrong. She, you know how human cat. nature is that she wouldn't acknowledge that she should have paid you. She would say, because of that hard lesson I gave you, you became yeah. the woman yes. you are today. Thank you. I, you know, I showed lady. you some lessons. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, Atik, incredible business. You've now recently uh, stepped down as CEO, but you're still on the advisory board. How are you feeling now looking back or rather you know continuing this journey but I'd imagine stepping down as CEO is a time to well one it's probably would have been a hard decision to make uh, and you can talk us through that process if you like but two it's an opportunity to reflect on the progress that you've made how are you how are you feeling about it all it's funny because you a lot of people are like you must be so proud of what you've done and and it's great and what we achieved collectively as a team is wonderful and we've just announced we've hit 30 million plastic bottles saved but what I focus on is all of the work to do so our new goal is half a billion bottles saved by 2030 which is like two days down the road basically Wow! so you focus on that sort of stuff more Mm. as for stepping down as CEO it wasn't a hard decision eventually because it took sort of two years to get to that Mm. point so it was a long process, but not a hard, well, it sort of was, actually. Mm. It's like, oh, it's going to sound lame. Atik was my whole life for 10 years. I didn't really do anything else. Um, and in those two years where I was thinking, right, I'm going to step down soon because I want to go and do other things. And I've got all these exciting things. I built a bit of a life around. It's when I got my first horse as an adult and started, naming started collecting the 780 million animals. <laughs> started naming the frogs. Seven dwarfs, if you were wondering. No, I don't know which is which. Um, and, and that's when I sort of started building other things so that when I left the, the day-to-day operations, it wasn't really, it was still weird. It's a hard thing to explain. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But what's the moment in time where you think this is it, what is absorbing my life? I don't have anything outside of it. I need to step back, or is there something else that causes that decision? I think it was a combination, like the physical manis- manifestation of the stress in my body was getting to me. So wow. I have all sorts of like stomach issues. Well, I did. I had lots and lots of stomach pain, um, and like stomach lining issues, and it just. It was just, I was just over it, I suppose, because it was no longer as fun, because it's also an established business, and established businesses are boring. Mm-hmm. I was going to say boring. Yeah. <laughs> just boring, right? I want to, I love startups where you're creating something, you have no idea if it's going to crash and burn, and if it does, that's going to suck, but it's part of the excitement, mm. and, you know, an established business doesn't really have that as much. Mm. So it wasn't, it wasn't a hard decision, 
but it was, it was a hard time. decision to leave. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, understood. So you knew you knew it was the right decision on paper, but doing it in practice may have been a, an additional challenge. Mm. I feel like we've just jumped, and that's probably my fault. I feel like we've jumped really far into <laughs> the fact that <laughs> we haven't kind of covered the basics because you've made reference to saving the plastic bottles. Mm. So for those listening, can you explain briefly a bit about Atik and what you mean when you say saving plastic bottles? So Atik is a plastic-free company. Basically, we create solid versions of everything you'd find in your bathroom, from shampoo and conditioner to moisturizers and everything else. And one shampoo bar is equivalent to three plastic bottles of liquid shampoo, for example. Um, and that's what I mean when we save bottles. So one bar equals three bottles, and it, it varies depending on product. Um, I started the company in my kitchen in 2012 with the goal of saving a million plastic bottles by 2020, which seemed laughable, and then uh, we hit 10 million in 2020. Wow. So what's 10 times half a billion? That's, a, you know, that's, yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot. We'll just say a lot. It's fine. Yeah, I don't know. Don't ask me. My <laughs> mental maths is not my strong. It's the evening, and I'm and this company tired. is now worth over a hundred million. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, does that's it sound, weird thing. sound strange? A lot of things it. are weird, you know, because your your body, your body, your brain doesn't get the scale of things, and it doesn't really matter. Like, does it change um, anything? No, it doesn't. It's something that quantifies the size for people. People get excited about those sorts of numbers, but it doesn't really mean anything. Mm. What does mean something, though, is that Number you have bottles. your own Barbie. <laughs> oh, yeah, people get excited about that, too. I haven't even seen it a Barbie movie. It's so relevant right now. I love that I discovered that about you. Okay, tell me. Fill me this in. This is gold. What am I missing? <laughs> well, they, they, Mattel sent me an email. We're like, um, do you want to... Well, do you want to be a Barbie? Uh, we've selected you as um, this year's new, uh, role model for New Zealand, and we're going to make a Barbie out of you. And I was like, mm, this is definitely not real. The official line is, we're proud to honour global trailblazing women to help empower the next generation of female leaders by sharing their stories. And you were one of them. Amazing. You put that much more eloquently. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. It so was an incredible honour. Yeah, yeah. it looks quite like me. <gasps> wow. And yeah. it, it wears a lab it, she wears a lab coat. Her name is Barbary because my nickname is Bree. Ah, I think that's genius. That's great. Um that's yeah, it's cool. really cool. She's got oh no, the coolest things though, are a mini atique bars, which are adorable. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's quite cool. But Is yeah. that when you think you've made it? <laughs> get your own Barbie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hundred million rubbish. I know. Right, this, this, idea of the, yeah. the, this idea of making it is is I so know. aloof, and I know you only say that tongue in cheek because there's a sense of we're mentally. You know, you, you said when you were working on these soap bars in your kitchen that a million seemed just out of this world, but that that development <clears throat> or the attaining of that goal doesn't happen overnight, and it's so gradual, like that you, you don't always notice it happening. And meanwhile, you're mentally adjusting to what is perhaps the next milestone so that when you hit that million, it's like, oh, yeah. I suppose it's already it was. in my mind. Oh, yeah. That's already the in the of ours. Yeah. We don't just sit and celebrate a moment of... So to either sit in those moments of failure and those moments of disaster and reflect on it, and also those moments of success i've achieved something so there's no there's no reflecting or sitting in that we are geared to go out on, on to the next 
And, and what's happening next? Yeah, you never sit there and look back at what you've done and think that's awesome. And that's something I failed totally as you know, as CEO was I never sat down with the team enough and we're like, yeah, we've done this. We probably did with more with some of the team more than the others, just in this sheer virtue of like the marketing team with who I worked with to I don't know celebrate the twenty million mark. And we would celebrate as a team, but probably not as much as we should have. Mm. Um, yeah, which is something I've learned from for next time. Mm. I think it's human nature. But mm. big mistake. Mm. What have you which got one would us? you like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what, what comes to mind in terms of that's maybe left the biggest impression on you or that you think about most often or that you carry forward with you to future endeavors i'm going to be generic because it includes people and i don't as much as this was a mistake it also it's it's not one i want to be punitive to anyone right uh so it's making uh, incorrect partnerships so early on in the piece i worked with someone in a um it's kind of like an advisory but operational capacity like an operational board member if you like right and um this isn't a person I've talked about in the press, so anybody listening, this, trust me, you don't know who this person is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, they were a specialist in the area, and it turns out they really just were there to uh, sort of build their own empire and their own ego within the company um, at the detriment of the company. And um, it took me, I, what I think, my biggest mistake, because you can you can totally forgive yourself for not seeing what people are really like and I've look I've made plenty of, of bad hires and and all sorts but this partnership was sort of illustrative of that because I let it go on for so long because I hate confrontation I would rather sit in a tank full of pissed off tarantulas than go in and have to have a hard conversation with people I hate it hate, even hate, hate, now hate, hate. today I'm a little bit better but I'd still still rather the tarantulas wow. yeah wow. it's one of my many many character flaws and um so it took me a long time to finally pluck up the courage to this person and say look this isn't the right fit thank you for all you've contributed um but let's move on which was honestly that was what the conversation came to came down to in the end it wasn't even a nasty one I cried but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> it's funny how we build these things up in our mind to be so much worse than they are. But I'm interested to know, was there a specific turning point where you thought, okay, I have to deal with this now? Or was it, well, okay, you're nodding your head. Okay, tell us about that turning point. It was a board meeting and there was a decision that this person put forward and it was something incredibly stupid. It was about how the company name should be said. Which, <laughs> which, to be honest, before you got Anna and I laughing because we were just in just uh, we were in a robust discussion about is etique, ethique. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So no one knows how to say it, yes. and that's totally fair because yes. I pick stupid yeah. company names. Yeah. And I mean, it's French for ethical, and it's technically etique. And we, so no one technically says it right, and so it's fine. People say ethique and ethnique. I don't even get where the N comes from. No, no. But it was it was something as simple as that. And in the end, I thought this just goes to show that this person isn't the right fit because they don't understand what it is we're, sta- we're saying for it. Just because this is the way that everybody says it, does not mean we change the pronunciation of a proper word. It to me was kind of it might seem stupid, but to me it was illustrative of the the route that that person wanted to take the easy way than the right way it was obviously a whole lot of stuff that made up to this but it was like path of least resistance rather than the thing that we should do right 
Yeah, interesting. And so the conversation, tell us more about the that that tough conversation and where what was their attitude or or how did they manage or take take it? They were great actually. Um to, to that person's credit. Really good. Um made a show of understanding and um we signed all the legal stuff off and I never heard from them again. Mm. So super grown up, uh, all, all credit to them. And it taught me a lot, which is great, because I wouldn't let something, I haven't let anything fester. And whilst I may not enjoy it, I will now do it better. Mm. Uh, and it's quite nice because, you know, now I've got team members or a TCAS team members managing people. You can coach them through that because not many people like or cope with confrontation that well. Mm. And if they see other people in positions where you probably should, it makes them feel a little bit better. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. How do you know in the moment that you're in a partnership and it's just going on too long? Because, you know, going, looking back on something, you can say, oh, these were warning signs and it yep. didn't feel right. But in that moment in time, people are generally more hopeful than otherwise. Oh, this is just a phase. It will be better tomorrow. How much of that, though, comes from the fact we don't want to deal with it? Yeah. I wonder. So you know it's bad, and you know it's not the right fit, mm. personally or professionally, but you don't want to do anything about or you think, oh, it might get better because you actually just don't want to deal with it. Whereas if you could take that emotional bit out, perhaps you'd realise that actually this isn't going to fit. Mm. And, um, you know, I'll pass it on to my COO because he manages all these things for me, which is now what happens. A question that I've been thinking about recently, uh, we had, we were just mentioning before we hit record that we had Greg Rebner, uh, the founder of Blunt on Big Mistake, not so long ago. And I wrote a blog post uh, about some of the things that came up during that conversation that stuck with me, talking about the idea of, you know, when is the appropriate time to give up? But in this case, I think it also applies and when is the also the appropriate time to change approach and one question that I like that might be helpful in this context is if I had my time again would I still choose to take on this person which I'm I'm objecting that question to fit this context what I originally said was choose to pursue this or take this approach but I think that also applies in the context of people because I think there's this idea of consistency bias where if we take an initial approach, if we take approach initially, then we we are we we almost dig our heels in. It's like, oh no, this is this is the decision I made earlier, so I have to stick with it. But it is hard to reassess. But sometimes that is the the best thing that we can we can do, even if it means that time and resources were lost in the process process, and you do have to start again from from scratch so you said that you have learnt from it since how is this fueling future decisions that you make and what are you doing differently better contracts date before you get married yeah so rather than going straight into a I tell all of the people I mentor if you want to take on a board great but let's do it in six months once you've had those people on your advisory board which has no real contractual basis Uh, for six months and know what they're like and understand what they're like when you're under pressure and you're going to them in a panic or because you need something and you you need 
reassurance or whatever it is, a, a help solving a problem, or just someone to scream at, maybe not scream, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and before you leap in boots first, or boots and all, whatever the saying is, what? which is what I did, which is what I do all my entire life, but now it's just a bit slower. What good advice, because everyone's so lovely when the times are good. Oh, totally. Dream. And, and it's problem, when times are hard or when you're having difficult discussions that you really get to see the true measure of a person. Yeah, because you're in a startup, you're going to have hard times in there in six months. Mm. The, um, this, this sounds a little cynical, and I am probably the most trusting person on earth, so I'm not actually very cynical, but I find a lot of people who are interested in helping entrepreneurs, they might, there's, there's several motivations. <clears throat> One, they really like the company and the product, they want to help it succeed, fab. Two, they really want to be involved with the startup because they love the idea of startups and entrepreneurs and, and founders because there's all this stuff on bloody social media. It's so glamorous that everyone's mm. driving down streets in Bugattis, which couldn't be further from the truth. Mm. So they um, get excited about that. Not helpful, not necessarily destructive, but but unhelpful. And then there's the others who are rarer, but um, they almost come at it from a malevolent, which, yes, I said that word right first time, <laughs> where they they almost want to see it crash and burn because something happened in their previous previous role in a startup where something happened to them that was similar oh those people so this is rare, a, surely super rare but i know too <laughs> so what was the context or, or tell us about coming across these these people or what what paint us a picture for what you observed or what made you realize that they had these qualities it, they don't actively so none of them have worked with me they this is all secondhand information mm-hmm. and secondhand experience through um a couple of ones a friend one's a mentee and just some of the advice they were given is incredibly wrong but you can't see how it would ever be right um things like you have to do this a certain way because that's the way i did it and if you don't do it that way then that's a really real failure of a thing to do. I don't. I don't think that would be coming from a sense. Okay, just based on that, purely going off that. It's hard to explain. Yeah, I would say that if that's if that's a data point, and I appreciate that might be one of many. My instinct is thinking: Well, they are just that is a inside the box person thinking. I mean, that's also just human nature that we we give advice based on what's worked for us. And it's not necessarily... Sure, but that's sharing experience as opposed to this is the way it has always been done. No, but that's still... I think that still comes back from... that's a statement I hate the most. One of them that just... Agreed. Of course, but they think because of their experience that that is the way it should be done. They're still speaking from experience... But I don't necessarily think that's... But what if that experience came out, resulted in a negative outcome and they know that? Oh, yeah. And they well, want okay. you to suffer through that same okay, negative well, outcome because it's characterability. Yeah, well, that's different then. Yeah, okay. So if, so I, yeah. Okay. Agreed, though. Totally agreed that yeah. the worst saying in the world is, oh, because mm. that's how we've always done it. Mm. Yeah. It hasn't landed us in a great <laughs> position, has it, historically? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, and agreed. And a lot of mentoring, a, met- a lot of mentors are like that. And it's, it's something I think that all mentors need to get really clear on is I will give advice and I will not be offended if they don't take it mm. because they are their own person, their own business, which mm. can be a little bit tricky, but mm. otherwise don't do it. And I read in one of your blogs, you said on advice, uh, oh, goodness. Miriam. Was, okay, this Australian number has been calling me like three times today. I right. Do you answer it? it? Nah. What because? if it's urgent? Could be spam. 
Most likely. Well, they should. They should. T- surely people text in that case. They text if it's like, you know, they text. I just can't answer it. No, no, no. They can. I, it shouldn't be anything. It shouldn't be anything urgent. Hopefully not. Maybe if they're trying to give you a free holiday. So I don't yeah. answer the phone to an unknown number. So if it's an unknown number, what? I don't. You answer don't the answer phone. the phone to an unknown number. As in. When it says like private or unknown. Oh, like is in no caller ID. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, that's just a, an Australian number. Um, and it always yeah. works out that if it was someone genuine who was trying to contact you, as you said, they've sent you an email. Yeah, or send me a text, right? An email or a text to say, tried to call you, couldn't get hold of you, give me a ring. Yeah, and, and there's nothing There's nothing in my emails that are indicative. Anyway, back to Brianne. Uh, so you said in one of your blog posts on advice, listen to it and take what you want to, but don't discount everything you fundamentally believe to be true just because someone with more experience says things can only be done one way. So this really relates to what you were Mm. just talking about. Yeah, it's something I got a lot. Uh, Mm. So whenever I was raising investment, oh, you have to have a fully-fledged board of four or five people. Still don't have a board of four or five people. (laughs) Uh, Boards slow startups down, and as I've already mentioned, if you get the wrong one, it can be incredibly destructive. Um, We raised money without any of the issues that we had to. I was told we'd have to offer voting shares. Now, we did two rounds of equity crowdfunding and had 352 shareholders. Imagine if they had voting. It would have probably broken the company through a couple of decisions. Sorry, I'm, I'm struggling <clears> to <throat> vote. So backtrack a bit. Talk me through what is what do you mean by voting. And then capital raising. Yeah, yeah, and following. So yeah. you can have yeah. various classes of shares and one is voting, which means yep. for certain decisions you are allowed a vote. But it, what it means is you uh, as the CEO or you as the... Um, you have to go out and ask the shareholders whether for, for certain decisions or whether you go ahead and do something. Right, understood. And so that can be permission. very slow yeah. if you've got 352 of them. Okay, yeah, understood. So you just you just want to be careful with the way you structure certain things. But I was just told so many things over the time mm. that came from great places and these people meant well. But just a lot of old school business wisdom is old school business wisdom mm. and doesn't have a place in some of today's startups and practices. Yeah. So how are you mentoring, and you mentioned you've got some A or some mentees, and uh, we can talk about your involvement with, uh, in that, if, if, you, if you feel like that's the appropriate place to expand on, but how does the way you mentor different from the way that you were mentored, or is there something that you uh, encourage what 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 do you encourage the people you're mentoring to do differently? Uh, well, I only mentor companies that are interested in doing something beyond making profit. Mm-hmm. So they've got to be want to be a sustainable business enterprise, therefore a profitable one. But they've also got to have some other problem solving. And I don't mean a problem solving in terms of selling a product. I mean they're tackling. Uh, for example, I've got a, a wonderful mentee who was using food waste to make a, a totally new food product in New Zealand and then using the profit from that to fund community work. Wow. She's fat. I adore her. Uh, companies like that are what I'm interested in helping. Lots and lots of mentors out there that are mm. wonderful, and I'm so I'm specific to companies that are trying to make business better because, well, right now business, by, by and large, is pretty exploitative. Um. And how do I do it differently? I suppose I come at it from that angle, so it's a little bit more balanced. Mm -hmm. I was told from day one to, like, what, year five, that until you were 
bigger and more established and profitable, you can't do things like have a living wage for your team, which I think is a non-negotiable. Um, you couldn't have your charitable program. You can't do this and that. And again, it all comes from a good place, but it comes from this old school idea is that businesses must be, is that it's not profitable to give back and do good things as a business, which is not true because, in fact, Deloitte have proven through some research they did that it is the opposite, that purpose their businesses are more profitable quicker. <clears throat> so I suppose I'm neutral on that line, but also I don't, I don't really, well, it's not always true, but I like to mentor through asking questions. So if someone will come to me with a problem or they want to have a look at how they, I do a lot of branding work and, and stuff and marketing, it's my preferred area. Um, and I will always answer questions with further questions mm-hmm. and get them trying to figure it out on their own. And I imagine that's a little bit annoying. And actually I did that with my team when they'd come to me with a question, if they didn't already have the solution worked out. I'd always help them get to the solution without helping them with the solution. Mm. Because when people learn how to figure out a problem themselves, they go a lot further and they can go and achieve more. And it's just a greater life skill to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's my particular way of mm-hmm. mentoring. Are there any questions that come up that you find, or rather, what is, are there some particular questions that you ask that have particular breakthrough or that you find particularly helpful to ask? Or find yourself asking time and time again. How are you? Pro- how, how is your product different? Why would your customer choose yours and not your competitors? Okay. Do you know how many people can't answer that question? Wow. Astonishing. Sat in a room um, a few weeks ago with a bunch of executives and asked exactly that question. They couldn't answer. This is quite an established business, about twenty-five yeah. years old. Wow. Yeah. It's hard for people to know, and it shouldn't be because if you can't tell me why to buy your product that is next to your competitors, mm-hmm. how would the consumer know? Mm-hmm. So that's probably my favorite question. And I mean, Atik had the advantage of at that point in time being the only company that didn't involve plastics. But as your competitors emerged from the marketplace, how did you answer that question? We are the only ones who think of everything. What do you mean by that? Literally everything. Uh, so we are palm oil free. Our packaging is certified home compostable cardboard. Our ingredients are fair trade and sustainably sourced. Literally everything. Um, we are not perfect, to be clear, but our product cons- our product and our practices consider everything you can think of from carbon, re- um, carbon negative, so we offset more than we emit, and we have lowered our carbon emissions by 60% for the last couple of years. So we... Again, I don't want to say we're perfect because there is no such thing as a perfect business, but we try and think of everything rather than, say, some other companies who've come out with shampoo bars and they're like, yeah, we've made a bar. The box isn't even bloody compostable. Mm. Bare Mm. minimum, they've jumped on a trend. I find that very annoying. Mm. Maybe that's a good uh, sidestep to go down because I had here in my notes, beauty or cosmetic industry pet Peeves. Oh, how long have you got? Okay, okay. talk us through. What's on, what's been front of mind recently? Supply chains, massively, massively full of child labour, trafficking, and people are like, oh, it can't be full of trafficking. That's so dramatic. It is. Child oh, trafficking, wow. for example, in the cocoa um, industry, so chocolate and cosmetics, huge. Palm oil is massively indentured workers and deforestation associated with it. But I think the thing that annoys me the most about the beauty industry is the obsession with consumption. And TikTok 
is a big driver of this. Everyone and their dog is constantly all about their silly hauls and you've got to have the newest viral foundation, even though it's the same as every other foundation because at the end of the day, cosmetic chemistry can only do so much. Yeah, yeah. And That's what I so think much well. of this stuff yeah. is the same. Yeah. Like eye creams are typically a slightly thinner face cream in a smaller jar that you pay a shitload more for. Yes, that is so oh. true. I wondered that about um, also... All the dermatologists yeah. say the only thing you need is um, sunscreen. Mm. And a um, they are a big fan, usually, of petroleum-based... Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. mm. Creams. Because um, I did wonder as well, like face moisturiser versus body moisturiser whether there'd be much of a difference between Usually uh, you will put a, a nicer oil in, but really from a, 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 no, there's not a lot of difference. Texture yeah. might be a bit different. Because I'm like, because, I, you know, I use um, Vaseline, the aloe-flavoured Vaseline body moisturiser for my legs, and I'm like, oh, this smells so good and feels so good. And sometimes if I've got a little excess on my hands, I'll just put it on my face. I'm like, this feels so good. Like, is there anything... <laughs> No, like you it could would be, be fine. It would be fine. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Gosh, Often body moisturizers have um, fragrance and a lot of people don't like fragrance on their face. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, true, 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 true. Um, funny enough, I, Anna and I have spoken about this briefly before and I want to know what you think and whether you have an opinion on this because Atik does do lip balms. Anna is never within like one foot of a lip balm. That's as correct. you're sitting here. I'm addicted. And, and, and I've told you this, there are support groups really? titled for lip balm addiction. Okay. Because certain Yeah, hold on, but let's, let's just ask right. her because okay. I don't... don't All right, don't, don't, don't sway. Yeah, don't yeah. Sway but the... if you turn around over your right shoulder <laughs> on the corner of that couch, you will see a, oh, yes. a baby oh, container of Vaseline. Pot. Putting aside the plastic, that's, that's <laughs> adorable just because <laughs> it's mini. I know. A Vaseline, that, so that's generally the yeah. lip balm you use. But I've, I was bemoaning the fact, because I've been using the red pawpaw uh, lip balm, and I was bemoaning the fact that, and my husband's even observed it, that I'm using it so often and I have to have it. And I said to Anna, could it be that the lip balm is actually... Stripping your lips of natural moisture. Yeah. yeah. So what do you know much about this? Is it a thing? Could you comment? What brand pawpaw ointments you use? Uh, Wouldn't it be the red one, so the pawpaw cream? It's the red one. It? There's a couple of copycats now, but if it's oh. the original, you know that you're using Vaseline in your lips with better marketing, right? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know it's pretty much Vaseline because sometimes yeah. I use it as Vaseline. I'm, I think the ingredients in Vaseline, in whatever way you want to look at it, are what strips your lips. Yeah, okay, well, let's hear from the expert. What do you want to say? It's not necessarily that it strips it. Some, some products do, so like castor oil um, naturally dries out a lot of people's lips. And that's often what's in lipsticks because it adds a, a shine and it's a good it's a good oil ah. for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, yes, you sort of a little you strip, you not necessarily strip, but you prevent your lips from having to produce their own moisture. Ah. So the theory goes. Okay. So yeah. But there also are some ingredients that are irritate irritants, which will strip. Yeah. And, so and I made peace with my addiction a long time ago seeing how I don't drink alcohol, do drugs, You've got anything to have one else. Advice. So I'm going to have my one addiction flaw. Yeah. I made peace with it. But I do give advice when I see others uh, going near it. Yeah. <laughs> Just be aware of what it might It's not be. too late. It was too late. It's too late for me. So is that with a gateway, gateway bomb? <laughs> 
I, do you, I remember when I was a kid. What's the hardest stuff of Vaseline? Um, <laughs> it started with Vaseline right, and then we... Yeah, yeah. I remember being lectured. Um, I used to work at Greenpeace, which is actually not something I think anybody knows. I used to work at Greenpeace as one of those fundraisers on the street. And uh, I remember one of the, um, the lovely women there, and she was lovely, she was um, telling me about how Vaseline was the devil and how this poor poem <laughs> was wonderful. And I looked at her and thought, I, do I tell her? I don't want to break her heart. Oh. Well, they're basically the same thing. Yeah. Because she would have just, she would have, like, she wouldn't have been upset. She would have been volcanic wow. upset. Okay. Time. And, and what did you do? Um, I didn't tell her. You didn't tell her? Because that goes back to your don't like confrontation. Oh, <laughs> why, why? She was why the boss. Yeah. Why break her heart? It's yeah, not my place to break her heart. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is totally bliss. Actually, I left my poor poor at home, but what I do have here, because this was given to me, is oh, a Burt's... I think they taste like soap. Burt's Bees. Burt's Bees, coconut and pear. So let's have a look at the ingredients. Well, it probably doesn't help that it's in a foreign language. Mm-mm. No. Like Latin be. or something else? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It looks some kind of, kind of Germanic Is it language. the scientific names of ingredients? No. Um, no, it's got, doesn't even say what's in it. Oh, it must be all that more serious, but it's time for a top up. <laughs> so anyway, we haven't yet got onto the bottom of the mystery of the, the, uh, the lip balm, but long story short, if you can, are we agreeing that if you can avoid reverting to lip balm, it's probably good for you. Oh, here's another one. Unless well. it's a tea. I think it depends I on have, how often you use it. I, I use lip balm at night. To yeah. another brand in the sun. Because obviously Vaseline is just going to highlight the sun's rays onto your lips so it burnt the lips. So then Ah. I had to switch to a sunscreen-based different one and accept that it will feel very different, Mm. but I'm not ending the day with burnt lips. Mm. Burnt lips look great, feel awful. Oh, yeah, great yeah. Great colour, though. Yeah, they get that red, yeah. red tint. And so, it doesn't okay, wash off. If I'm going to be at the supermarket and I'm going to pick out a an Atik uh, lip balm, what, what flavour do you oh, recommend? Oh, pepped out for sure. Peppermint lip balms oh, are yeah. right or die. Nice. Or they leave that little tingling feeling, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's got so to be peppermint good. or I'm not interested. So, good. so those of you out there wondering why we made the only tinted lip balm we do peppermint and not unscented, that's my fault. <laughs> no, I have no regrets. Uh, Anna, I feel like I've been asking all the questions. So do you want to just your you can hijack the conversation? Great. Growing up, it was written in an article that failure was never looked at as a real issue. Trying, but try not trying things or avoiding things for fear of them was yes. And you ended that by saying, which is why I still believe I could be an astronaut. (laughs) Hey, I could be. I might just have to pay a shitload for it. Yeah. I think when you read something like that in an article, it's one, the person who wrote the article is, is, it's wonderful writing when you get to see the character of a person in writing. And then two, when I read that, I thought, I'm really excited to have this interview <laughs> with someone who says all these things. Yeah, look, I still want to be an astronaut. I will hold on to that. I want to be an astrobiologist, which is studying life. And I don't mean aliens because I'm not into the Congress thing that's going on. I don't know, whatever. What's the, the Congress thing that's going on? Aliens oh, there's real. been aliens. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've You're been visiting America. No, I'm for not a while. saying that. Oh, yeah. I'm saying oh, that. Yeah. Con- yeah, Congress. And Do like, not AOC. I will stand by my Vaseline addiction, <laughs> but I will not, you will be not believe in aliens. To be fair, it doesn't make sense. That we would be the only single life in all of the planet, but have they? But what I believe 
would happen is that they are a superior life form, let's say, that they would come near Earth, look at Earth, be like, that yeah. is a shitstorm. I'm not going near that place. They've yeah. got another however many years, yeah, millennia, yeah. Five. to develop. <laughs> I'll go on to the next. I, yeah. I like the theory of panspermia or exogenesis, which is that we are actually not from Earth. And so that life on Earth is seeded from somewhere else, huh. like Mars oh. or further afield. I, I find and it's that just a test. We're just an experiment. Well, or just it's just how nature works. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't really believe in the whole there is a, a greater meaning to anything. No. Unless you believe in the idea that we're all a simulation, which I just find incredibly oh, depressing. Dax Shepard talks about, oh, that about a lot. the bus theory. And sim, well, that everything's sim. It. So everything's just yeah. a. Yeah. Well, I used to treat my sims really badly. They used to get on fire a lot. And I didn't do that on purpose, but it happened a lot. So I worry. <laughs> I worry that there's. Yeah. So anyway, growing up, yeah. your parents. Yeah, they Fame encouraged me to okay, try lots of things. Not, you know, they wanted you to try something. Yeah, I don't ever recall um, not trying anything because I was worried about it. Uh, I just don't consider failure. I think it's a direct reflection of that attitude I had that my parents had when I was growing up. Was um, I just don't see it as you? Uh, if I failed at something, it's not that I failed as a human being and therefore I am a failure of a human being. Mm. It's that this thing I tried didn't work and that's okay. I'm going to try something else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, an attitude we all need to cultivate because people are freaking out about, so they've got a great idea, but so many people don't want to start it because they're like, oh, but people could laugh at me. Who cares? We're all going to be dead in 100 years mm-hmm. anyway, so what the hell does it matter? But do you think that's a quality that you are born with or do you think that you can train train it? Because I personally err on the, the former being that probably the three of us around the table would take that attitude but some people are just not wired that way and maybe regardless of where they sit on that spectrum there's a I don't know say 30 to 40 percent push and pull that they could go either way and they could challenge themselves just to be a bit braver or to to see failure as as a little less bad but do you think it's trained or do you think it's you're, you're born with it I think it's your upbringing uh, okay, I'm so sure you think it's is, trained. I words. do, but early. Early, right? Okay. I think it's your early childhood. But you could argue that because it's your early childhood and say parenting, then that's genetic because your parents passed on the same genetic material. No, because you're trying to undo. So I will always share everything I've done wrong in the day with Rose. So yep. it starts now, or I'll just say, oh, I made that mistake, or I upset that person, or something happened. Yeah, and... but I'm saying she's potentially going to be like that, not just because the not just because of your parenting, but because that you have those qualities that you have inherently passed down to her. I think I'm trying to undo all the qualities I have and make her no, the no, but you, you, but you still done to me. Yeah, yeah, but whatever your qualities are, you are now the person yes. that takes this attitude that yes. is the Anna today. Yes. Now Rose has inherited that. That is you. So, yeah, it's it's the nature versus nurture. So, I mean, personally, there are, there are more and more studies coming out to say that uh, nurture has a bigger role than we would probably like to admit. But there are certain characters sorry, sorry, of nature. Nature, nature, nature sorry. Nature, nature has a bigger role. Uh, okay, cool. Because, for example, one story is that Rose has not seen me um, publicly speak or seen me in an environment where I'm really comfortable and lots of people. She just doesn't... She hasn't seen that aspect mm-hmm. of me because I'm her parent and she doesn't come with me out and work and what I do in my professional life. However, she is incredibly performance-based, yeah. mm. um, really comfortable with lots of attention on her 
and very confident going up to people and talking to them and that is not something that I would say I have nurtured mm. that is just who Rose mm. is and that is just who mm. who I am mm. as well Correct. and I found that really yeah. fascinating and look no doubt it is a balance I mean both, both, balance both sure. certainly have an important role to play and it's not like you could give birth lock your child up and feed it uh, well, exactly. you know, I'll through a cage, and then yeah, and then exactly. they, they'll turn out okay. Of course, parenting has a, an incredibly important role to play. But I'm nothing like my parents. I'm saying, yeah. well, there, there's still <laughs> no, but there's still there's still an explanation for that because you you're the, the the certain mix, and there could be personally tra- traits lying dormant, or that you've more I'm inherited like from your family. your grandparents. I'm actually quite okay. a really weird outlier. That's talk, the only reason because I would normally believe that nature and nurture have I don't know they definitely have it together. Yeah. But I am like a massive risk taker. Yeah. And neither of my parents are. My mum's so laid back she may as well be asleep, and I mean that with the greatest deal of respect. She's mm-hmm. just chilled out and very calm. And if I could be like that, awesome. And my dad and I tend towards the more slightly overthinky, anxious side. Um, and that stops him trying things by and large, although yeah. actually he's relaxed a lot um, more so yeah. recently. Um, whereas I let that anxiety like fuel me into trying things. I'm like, sod it, I'm going to go shark diving. Did you have siblings? Or do you have siblings? No, just me. They okay. stopped at perfection. Or I broke my mum either or. My yeah. brother would always say I was adopted. So, oh yeah, yeah. Charming. That so that doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean it's not nature. It just means that potentially the manifest like the the fusion of your dad yeah has produced Could be. Brianne and so yeah anyway tell us tell us more about your your parents and your upbringing how how would you in three adjectives how would you describe your your upbringing and what makes you the risk taker because there, there's two separate questions there's, there's well, one fascinating at a time. Though. Yeah, yeah 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 um three adjectives um supportive or supported um, I don't know, caring and exploratory. Yeah. <laughs> I just narrowed down those three. Yeah. They'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> great, great, amazing. Yeah, I have a very lucky, great childhood. Yeah. Um, parents very supportive of anything I wanted to do. Always tell me that. Still tell me it now. I said to my mum the other day, I wish I'd been a doctor. And she said, well, you still can. Yeah, yeah. It's objectively true, but probably not. Yeah. Do you think it's easier to start a business in your 20s than it would be in your 30s and 40s? Depends on your um, circumstances. If you had kids, infinitely harder. If you've got a mortgage, harder. Um, starting it when I was, what, 23? And faffing around in general with a lot of different things. Um, I, I didn't have any real responsibilities, so it didn't really matter. Whereas now it's a bit different because obviously I'm financially set, so I don't have to worry about it. But... Um, if I was more typical, because I also don't want children, um, I, I, I'm married and been divorced, and I'm not doing that again either. Not because my ex-husband was a monster or anything, a nice guy, but still friends. But I just, I think I'm commitment phobic, so I, I just don't want to do that again either. So I'm in the perfect situation, but I don't have any dependence or anyone to worry about mm, if I wanted to go and start a business. But that is not the norm. Mm. You know, if you're starting a business in your 30s or 40s, you probably do have a lot of things you have to worry about. But on the flip side, you also have a lot of uh, experience. You probably have greater skills. You probably have more emotional maturity because when I had a, a doubt, something happened <clears throat> um, when I was 23, I was like, well, this is the actual end of the world. There is no point in continuing. Oh, my God, I'm going to break things, cry, and lie on the couch for the next week. Now I'm like, oh, whatever, and move on. You know? Yeah. Emotional maturity is very useful. Yeah, particularly during those early failures in, in starting a business. Many, many. 
for sure. I mean, the, the the average age for a successful entrepreneurial venture is forty five. I think. Wow, it's that's older than people think. It's not your twenty year olds. It's interesting. So, why do you think that is? It's just because we're seeing. It's what you see on I'm social a media, right? Person, oh. I am also in my twenties. I'd argue that you become a different person every six months. Oh, I, I, I think it's an it's a That's very fair. I think it's a very fair comment. And in fact, I was talking about this recently that people don't like to admit how much they change over time. But we we dress. Wouldn't you be horrified do. if you didn't? Yeah. The sad thing is, yeah. is sometimes obviously that means you move apart from friends, and it's not because again yeah. they're not a good person. It just yeah. means that you don't mesh as well as you used to. Yeah. And that's okay. Would but you, you do change? Would you be comfortable elaborating on the commitment phobic? piece what do you what do you mean by that is it just some romantic relationships or is this is this no i think it's in general i don't like the idea of not being able to uh, go and totally change my life if i wanted to so I suddenly moved to costa rica tomorrow you could argue i have 65 animals and i couldn't do it anyway and, business <laughs> and everything and i could it but nothing i've ever done or nothing i've done is irreversible i suppose okay so I, I don't know um, i admire that i don't because the connotation of commitment phobic is that it's a bad thing but you're you're describing that you value freedom flexibility and freedom which is very different to commitment f- that's phobic. why so many women that's true actually because yeah. commitment phobic is inherently negative sounding right yeah no i value freedom above all else and there that's why i've built my life the way i have and hey yeah. something might come along and change that and that's fine i'm not closed off to anything um, but that's why so many more women are making the decision to be single for longer or whatever, you know, it is a, mm. it's a growing trend. So it's interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine a world where I don't have the freedom and flexibility that I want and I am married. So yeah, well, it's not to say they're mutually exclusive. At yeah. All. Anna, Anna, Anna has a very special situation that I think, she has, like, hit the jackpot. Oh, oh my God. Do you want to just explain yeah. it to us? <laughs> just that I, I have this uh, incredible man who pretty much, like, lets me do what I want. Genius. <laughs> it, really, yeah, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> say no to me. And Genius. I think, Brilliant. well, the, the p- bits I've picked up is that you already have a... A toddler yes and he does a lot of work with her which is amazing for yes. so many reasons uh and you are able to so superficially if you met anna and spent let's say let's kind of knew her for a couple of months and saw her with some regularity you would assume she would be single and childless okay like, that is that is the life she leads and it, it's but it, i am around so like around you i have that tendency to be because you are younger than me what we do is very social and it doesn't true. involve having rows around true. whereas other people who i who would instantly say they have kids and all of that well i'm going to be great sharing comment. comments mm. about parenting and kids and all of that okay. so it is circumstance dependent yeah, of course and i'm a bit of a chameleon where i will fit in with what's required totally but at the end of the day you do have that flexibility at the end of the day if michael didn't exist my social life would disappear <laughs> <laughs> which shows so, yeah which good, is good which balance is awesome, yeah which is awesome do you think that quality of you you know we're, just, we're talking about changing over time do you think that quality that value of of freedom and flexibility will change over time i can't imagine so if anything it might get more extreme okay where i can't even wear the same pair of shoes twice yeah. or something yeah. 
I hope not. Uh, no, I don't imagine it has. It's something I have stopped fighting against. I suppose yeah. I've embraced it a little bit more because I think it's actually an entrepreneurial quality. Because and it's one a value. Day is not the I think same. values are a little bit more set in stone than say opinions and preferences. Yeah. And also, I am going to go back to this point that ultimately, Michael did choose to marry a very well, not. I don't think good girls the right way of saying it, but still a. a a conservative lawyer type who isn't just going to disappear and run off to Costa Rica and leave all the responsibilities behind. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that's, know why that's so. always my go-to. I do desperately want to go there. I, I want to live there. Okay. I'm still that fundamental, decent person of course, mm, that of isn't going to set out to set everything yeah. in my world on fire. But wouldn't you just love to go on like a, yes, a yes. round-the-world expedition on a sailing ship? I think I probably should have been born a couple of hundred years ago. But why you you could you could still I'm just thinking if for instance Anna did want to like there's you could still do these things I mean that's what I'm loving seeing about uh, you know the idea of the, the family units these days are getting creative with the way they design their lives you know whether it's the fact that and this shouldn't necessarily be considered creative but the fact that there is now the primary caregiver is now the husband or the, the you know yeah. the male or uh, and that you can actually travel with children. And if you did want to move to Costa Rica with your three kids, you can, you, can yeah. you know. To me, the definition of a relationship of any sort is that I want you to have what you want and I want to give it to you. But it works both ways. Absolutely. So it's not exploitative of one person. It's me saying, I want you, Michael, Miriam, Rian, to have what you want mm. from this relationship. And yeah. I will do the best of my ability to give it to you. Yeah. And that and those desires aren't conditional. They're unconditional. And when you meet the right person, friendship, whatever, they'll want to give it back to you in abundance as well. Yeah. So you have this great partnership where I'm saying, I want you to have everything you want. And other person saying, I want you to have everything you want yeah. too. I think it's because I've got a really overdeveloped guilt complex. Guilt. Talk to us about that. So I will feel guilty for the slightest thing. If we go out and it's raining, I'm like, I'm really sorry it's raining. You mean if you took us out and we went out Yeah, for a and you day. didn't have a jacket and feel really bad. You well, were so has got I... a blunt umbrella that I don't. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I feel like if, I, if, I, if we go somewhere, if we take a friend somewhere and they don't enjoy it, I feel bad that they don't enjoy it. Where do you think that comes My from? My mother. Okay. 100%. Um, we, we talk about it all the time and how it's an annoying thing that we share, that okay. we try to move fast. So as a result, in, my, in any relationship... I always feel massively obligated, where there is no obligation, but wow. it's it's me, um, and as a result, I feel the pressure that isn't actually there. So it's all me. Um, but so I don't if we hang out with you, you're gonna want to make sure. That I want to make sure a... you have the best possible fucking time, and if you don't, I'm gonna be damned. Yeah. How fun! Well, that, I, hey, I'm down for that. I'm <laughs> I'm happy because okay, sure. I won't feel the guilt. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm same, down I won't feel guilt time. either. I'm just normally but hanging around someone not? who's inherently selfish. Yeah. 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 I'm having a good time or not. So the idea, looking at Miriam, by the way, the idea that I would find a new friend in my life yeah. who cared about whether I had a good time or not, and if it rained or not, I'll buy you a blunt and. I love Miriam actually said to me once which I appreciated and loved so much and it wasn't on me because I'm not at all needy but she said how repulsive neediness in a person was and I totally related to that which would go back to your you wouldn't care and nor would I on you if you had a good time and I had a good time 
what, we just live in our lives. Oh yeah, you mean because it's a perfectly normal so thing are, to do. So that's are, that's the weather. Way. Yeah, yeah. Whether Miriam has a good time or not is not on me. Oh yes, she, exactly. No, yeah. no it's not. Space, it's it's dead right. Yeah, yeah. So we just found a new friend who deeply. If, if I pick the movie and you don't like it, I'd be like. What I find most amusing about this conversation is that Anna is trying to sub- subliminally convince Brienne that she should be her friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this is... Brienne like, always have more friends. such a unique quality in someone. You say unique, you mean weird. No, yeah. unique. What was it? Insanely weird? <laughs> Obsessively weird? That was the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a few traits in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, oh, gosh. Wow, is that the time? Gosh, we I haven't really. This is for just felt like we've just had such a good I, chat. So what, you go for want, it. Okay, yeah. next question. Change the topic. You've created a podcast. Yeah. So not only really like you, talking to myself. So not only the first guest on here that has come to us via publicist to completely inflate <laughs> our egos and just make us feel really important. The publicist now approaches. You are very You also have a podcast. I do. You're a fellow I do. podcaster. Yeah. How's our setup? Is this okay? I, I wouldn't know. How's your podcast? I googled it. How's your podcast oh, yeah. going? We don't know either. But I really enjoy it. It seems fun because I wanted to. I'm doing it. Um, it's like a build Incredibles. Now that's what I call business. There's a nostalgic throwback there if you're old enough to get it. Oh yeah, now that's what I call '99. Yeah, yeah. So all those CDs. <gasps> are you impressed CDs? that I remember that? Yeah, do you know what that? a CD is? Yeah, do you know what a CD is? I do. Oh my god. So, so how's it going? How long have you been running it for? Uh, like five weeks. Oh, okay, very fresh. Yeah, very fresh. Love it. It's great. Um, I kind of just talk to myself but um oh so you don't have guests no it's just okay. me because i wanted to do it slightly different i wanted to because everybody has these amazing podcasts and i was thinking how can i do it differently and the thing i can sort of offer is i'm building incredibles i have this audience of people who want to build missionary businesses so here are all the things that happen that week yeah i talk you through it a little bit like a, a diary but full of puns there's a lot of puns i like I'm that really so talk to us about incredibles well, it's incredible. Uh, it's like a better Barocca. So imagine, right, okay. When you walk into a dairy and you buy a bottle of a, a flavor, a bottle of flavored water, right? Because whatever reason you've forgotten your your bottle of re, your reusable bottle of water, or you just want something with a bit of flavor in it, whatever that you can't get out of the tap. It seems absolutely crazy to me that the drinks industry is in excess of five hundred billion dollars, and the stuff you're buying is mostly water. With a little bit of flavour, yeah, packaged in plastic, yeah. and shipped around the world, and I appreciate now we make some products locally with syrups and things, but it's still a shitload of plastic bottles. And Coke is the number one plastic polluter, like five years running. Wow! So wow. I wanted to take on that. We do the cosmetics industry. Um, we've changed that a little bit. Now I want to change the drinks industry because if you can just a little bit like SodaStream and their liquids, which still come in a plastic bottle, but they're a great start, right? Why wouldn't you just be able to drop like a mini bath bomb? into a glass of water or soda water or uh, champagne or your favorite spirit and you have a, a, a multitude of flavors without any of the plastic waste i love that mm-hmm. so i would carry a tube of these in like my handbag or in, have yep. some in the car yep. and meanwhile i've got my water bottle which i have in front of me which i would just top up and then drop one into it Perfect. Are they also designed to be healthy, or is that so kind of phase two? We're going to have two ranges. Okay. Okay. Functional range. Like. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, we're not, we're, good. No, good. yeah. We don't I get like us, it. Don't get us started. You know <laughs> what I mean? Low sugar content. Yeah. So way. there'll be there'll be um, yeah. some. So I, I, I polled our customers actually, or my future customers, um, on TikTok, and uh, I said, "Do you want sugar or do you want sweeteners?" And I thought 
the overwhelming would be sweeteners, but actually sugar wins. A lot of people have a real hatred for stevia, for example. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, in all the testing, the stevia flavors are the worst. Interesting. They're like really thin. Whereas if you have something with a sucralose, which doesn't have any actual health issues associated with it, if you remove yourself from the sort of the medical hysteria, not medical, the the anti-science hysteria, the taste is amazing. And sugar is a game. Uh, more full body to sound like a wine connoisseur. <laughs> um, so there's lots of t- taste testing going on in the background, but we'll have just a taste range. So there literally are flavors, and they'll be a sugar free and a sugar or a like a low sugar variant, if you like. So people can pick and choose what they like, but they'll also be functional ones. So there'll be one for I'm quite an anxious, neurotic person, if you can't tell. And so one that's sort of calming for like pre-sleep if you want. Ah. Uh, one that'll be more energizing for the morning if you don't want to drink your coffee because you're a person who doesn't drink coffee. Um, yeah, so there'll be a couple of, uh, well, four or five functional ones to begin with. I have like a list of 194 flavors. Wow. And what's gone wrong with that already? Um, nothing's gone wrong, it's taken longer. So I okay. wanted to launch this side of summer, right? So I thought summer drinks obviously make sense. But the... The number one proviso has been that this stuff has to be packaged in home compostable packaging. End of story. Otherwise, we're not doing it. And with effervescent tablets, right, they're so reactive because it's it really is. They're yeah. very similar to bath bombs in terms of chemical uh, composition. But they react with the moisture in the air. And home compostable packaging is quite porous, which is why it breaks down your compost heap or your plant pot or whatever. So we had to find technology that allowed us to have home compostable packaging. And the technology is actually in the tablet. So it's a wheel first. I'm very excited about it, but it just means it's a bit slower. Mm. Um, I am actually having a real hard time describing it in a succinct manner. So I'm actually partnering with um, an agency to help us get to that one slogan. You know, what are we going to mm. say? Because I can't say better Barocca, but it does no. make people understand what it means. Yeah. So there's nothing has catas- touching your wooden table. Mm. Nothing has catastrophically gone wrong yet. Dissolving deliciousness. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You don't need an agency. No, Just no, more time you've nailed it. That's brilliant. <laughs> Dissolving. Do you have a suggestion? Fizzing, too? fizzing fun. fabulousness. Yep. You, you like alliteration. Have, I do like alliteration. That's it's my too. weak point. If yeah. you want to tap into creativity, I like a whiteboard. Oh, oh yeah. Do you like to mind map it? Yeah. 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 Get mind map is, is the is yeah. the goods. Anna, did you have any remaining questions before yes. we last? Yes. Ask Brianne our last question. In an article, you said you found it hard in the early days to find your voice. Oh, yeah. What would happen? <laughs> now, have you changed that? I'm not sure you've changed that. Um, <laughs> With your lack of confrontation oh, no, and no. your anxiousness. This is, this is what I, um, this is, people almost invariably say, what's your best piece of advice? And it's definitely speak up, right? To, nice. I'm better at it, so right. I like it. I feel intimidated in a lot of rooms. I walk in, you know, super experienced business people, totally. Mm. I'm intimidated by a lot of people. It's pathetic, but it is something I'm aware of myself on, and I'm not going to lambast myself over, but I am going to eventually work to get over it, right? Yeah. And that's the key with getting over anything, is you're aware of it. It doesn't make you a failure as a human being, but it nice. is something you're going to work on, yes. right? Um, so <clears throat> I always encourage people to speak up, including myself, because if you just let things slide, as mm. in my first thing about the biggest mistake I ever made, then it becomes a bigger and bigger issue. Mm, so, so yeah, but I'm still not necessarily super comfortable. I do. I get shaky. It's horrible. Well, like, at the prospect and, of speaking up, yeah. Yeah. It's a horrible physical feeling. It's very annoying. Yeah. It's, it's, and yeah, I quite like being the centre of attention. I'm a very oh, strange wow. mix of things. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, what do you think? Is there an underlying fear there? If if you're, you know, when you're you're thinking about the prospect of speaking up, what are you afraid of? I suppose it's the fear that it'll lead to a confrontation. Because <clears throat> I have a okay. lot of very strong opinions on the way things should be done in a way that's fair and kind yeah, and great. equitable, right? Which is often at odds with how business discussions go. Right. So whenever I bring these up, I used to be told how stupid they were or how idealistic I am. And I think it's that memory that I assume people are going to say that, even right. though we've proven with a T that it is possible to operate that way. And even though it's never actually happened, I think there's that lingering doubt. Don't you want people around you, though, that challenge your thoughts, that say... In a way, in a way. That say it, that in a sounds nice way. stupid to me. <clears throat> I agree. You know, as so- long as they don't... Do it in like a, I keep bringing up TikTok because I'm 14. <laughs> I love TikTok. As long as you do it in a way um, that's like, you stupid idiot, which yeah. again, nobody does. I so agree. Constructive criticism, it's I love debate. removing the task from the person. Yeah. So it's, I'm going to criticize this action, this task, this piece of work, mm. this everything, but it is that thing, not who you are and your essence as a person. Yeah. Yes. Your essence as a person is fantastic. You have just come it's up with idea. an idea that I feel is stupid and you think is wonderful. Yeah. So we need to now battle out over that task and that action and that product. That was a very nice way of putting and it. And because you. of the relationship between those involved in the conversation, there is an understanding that just because, say, Anna might be criticising my work doesn't mean Anna is criticising me because Absolutely. I know at a, at a foundational level Anna respects and actually likes me as a person you know whatever whatever it might be. yes and i suppose actually it does make a difference because i can have hard conversations with friends it's perhaps with business colleagues where you don't necessarily yet or ever have that mutual respect for one another or mutual understanding because you don't hang out or you don't really know each other personally then maybe that's the difference mm. and i think when it is your baby when it is yeah, your you business, feel it, it is, so it is, deeply it is harder to make that separation i i get that yeah i don't think i ever will I don't think I can ever... Because Atik is also like a manifestation of my values mm. and, and almost my personality. Uh, it would be hard to separate. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Do you want to ask our final question? Ooh. Final question is, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Someone... Oh, don't get a prenup. Okay, okay, okay. So, <laughs> worst piece of advice... From a lawyer. So You the... don't agree with prenups? No, no, I do. Oh, that was right. the worst piece oh, of advice oh, I had, was don't oh, get a prenup. Yeah. Oh, ouch. 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 <laughs> You know what? Can I direct anyone who's listening to this, if this is coming up or this has some relevance for your life right now, there's a podcast called Checks and Balances by these two guys and they interview a uh, a lawyer on on this idea of uh, prenups. I think they've got a nicer term now. Do you know what they are, Anna? The term well, for in like New Zealand, it's a contracting out agreement. That one, that one, yeah. Yeah, so there's a great episode on it. Checks and balances. Check it out if you. And if you a, need. a couple of points. Obviously, um, that wasn't and as my. And a lawyer, ad- by I the was way. a lawyer, um, but in insurance. So number one, insurance geek. Not so much in divorce, but there are a few things I do know about contracting out agreements, which is that not only do you need them and get them at the very start, mm-hmm. so it's, it's you're creating what's known as an honest trust. So mm-hmm. we've both come into this with full understanding of each other's financial status, and we are both agreeing on a contract to all the terms and conditions. Just to clarify, not on the first Tinder date. <laughs> My lawyer said, you know, very early on, very, a couple of dates in, get this out. Pretty much. Wow. Far out. Pretty much. And then the next one would be when your circumstances change, be it that a child, a business, like 
something in your life has changed you need to go back to it so it's not a we've created this agreement we now forget about it it is an evolving document right. like mm. a will like something else that you go back and you look at mm. yeah that's awesome so sorry to hear that you've been burnt as a result of not it just made it a little more complicated and it worked out all right in the end but yeah. It just it made it un- more complicated in the end for it didn't need to be. And it came from a place, I think, uh, again, best intentions, but don't go into something you expect to fail, which is just odd advice for a lawyer. <laughs> wait, wait, say that again. Don't go into something you expect to fail. The, the lawyer said that to, to you. Yeah. And in and, and that person's defence, uh, this was years ago. Her tech was very small. Yeah. You know, yeah, statistically it's hard, it's unlikely hard to, to succeed. Yeah, it's hard to know. Yeah. Well, that is... Great advice. Yeah. Would you, yeah, would always you get a prenup, Anna? As in, it depends yeah. on the circumstances. Yeah. And it's a really hard one. I have so many conversations about going to a lawyer mm. uh, with a multitude of people. And the, the thing they don't understand or they just get upset about is the cost of a lawyer. Whereas actually it's way more expensive at the other side of the cost of mm. litigation. So you're yeah. contracting out agreements, your terms and conditions for your business, mm. all of those sorts of things. If you get the right lawyer, they actually shouldn't cost the earth. They should be done properly and and effectively, but they shouldn't cost the earth. But what will cost the earth is drawn out, expensive litigation. So Mm. I was a litigator and that is genuinely expensive and genuinely awful. So whatever you can do to stop being in that situation and try to think of all the ways that things go wrong um, will help you. The JGBT is not a lawyer. And that's the same just with insurance as well, by the way. All you're thinking about is all the ways it could go wrong, all the risks I have as a director of a business and how am I going to transfer those risks. And if in doubt, draw all your money out. And head off to Costa Rica and start a new life and yeah, under a new I mean, identity. I mean, you, Costa Rica is full of the most amazing biodiversity. Why wouldn't you want to be there? So, Brianne, it's been such a treat. We've covered everything from owning many pets to the valuing flexibility and and freedom to lip balm and fizzing balls. <laughs> so I think it's fair to say it's been a wide-ranging conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you want to... In- leave with with those that are listening or where they can find out more information or keep updated on incredibles you have quite a business related audience hey yes yeah definitely if you are looking for free business advice go to businessbetter.co which is a free educational hub all about all of the lessons i believe are learned in business Amazing. I've never been quite so blatantly promotional before. Good. Well, we, no, we, we provided the opportunity. Person. Your yeah. publicist will be thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> she will be because she probably finds me tiring in that regard. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to a round two and who knows, maybe we'll we'll be hanging out outside of the podcast with anybody like outside of this. <laughs> Anna would be thrilled. Thanks for coming in. Thank you.